0: Today we're starting a new sermon series on joy, and this is gonna see us through to the end of the year. Joy is a fitting topic for Advent, isn't it? But also, who doesn't want to be joyful? So the more we can learn about joy, the better. And after the year that 2020 has been, we can probably all use an extra dose of joy. What joy is, And how we find it will be the topic of our sermons over the next few weeks. And so as we start, I want you to take a moment and to think of something that gives you joy. Are you smiling? What did you think about? I thought about trampolining. Trampolines give me joy. Not just when I'm on them, but when I think about being on them. When we think about it, joy can be very quick to surface in us. But we know that it can also be difficult to hold on to. So think of a dog chasing its tail. I'm sure all of us have seen that happen. And when you see it, it's ridiculous and it's funny and kind of mesmerising. In a way, finding joy can be a bit like a dog chasing its tail. Sometimes the very things we do to try and produce joy in life, actually take it further out of our reach. Striving for joy doesn't seem to work. So today, we're going to look at how life with God can help us to be more joyful. And in particular, we're going to think about joy as an ongoing characteristic, not just the momentary experiences of joy. When I speak about joy, I'm using the word to describe something like happiness and pleasure and contentment, but with a distinction. One author has written, joy is what we feel deep in our bones when we realize and feel connected to others and to what is genuinely good, beautiful and meaningful, which is possible even in pain. The two helpful ideas in this definition are that joy is made different from happiness or contentment or pleasure by meaningful relationship to that person or that thing. And joy is distinct from happiness, contentment and pleasure because we are able to experience and display joy in life even while we experience pain or sorrow. And when we stop and think about it, we can see plenty of examples of this around us. Parents display joy in birthing and raising their children Athletes display joy as they win their competition. Artists display joy as they produce a masterpiece. But each of these achievements is coupled with hard labour and pain. And this fits with what the book of James says. It says we should consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds because this testing of our faith produces perseverance and maturity in us. Trials don't exclude the possibility of joy, but actually seem to help promote it. And of course, when we look at the Bible, we also have the example of Jesus, who confirms that suffering uh, doesn't exclude the possibility of joy. Hebrews 12.2 says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Now, on the one hand, it might be encouraging to know that we don't need to wait for suffering or pain to disappear before we can experience joy. But if you're not feeling strong, then the idea that we have to persevere with suffering doesn't necessarily inspire hope, does it? But don't despair. Today, I'm suggesting that the Bible has plenty to offer us in the way of finding joy, because what we see in passages like Psalm 16 and Galatians 5 is that joy is found in life with God. We are not alone in our pursuit of joy. Of course, anyone can experience joy. Christianity doesn't have a monopoly on it. And I think if we accept the idea that meaning, beauty and goodness are necessary for joy, then potentially we can find it in anything. Anything that you can attach meaning, beautiful or goodness, beauty or goodness to can potentially bring joy. And this is a huge category, and that in some ways is very exciting. It means that there is potential to find joy in in every place, anywhere you are. It's an abundant opportunity. So uh, as an example, perhaps you thought that when I said trampoline makes me joyful, you were sceptical. Perhaps you thought I was confusing uh, happiness or pleasure with joy. But consider this. I can very easily say that trampolining is good for me. Trampolining gives me joy because it helps me to express my physical self. So when I'm on a trampoline or when I even think about trampolines, it makes me feel strong and weightless and springy and I can make my body flip upside down and do fun things. So trampolines allow me to enjoy the goodness of my physical self, which is a gift given by God. Trampolining makes me grateful for my body. Also, trampolines allow me to do something that has no real merit other than enjoyment. Uh, In 2015, Archbishop Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama got together and they had a week of conversations about joy. um, And a book was produced called The Book of Joy. And in that, uh, they list eight pillars of joy. Humor is one of these pillars. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever thought about this, but it is difficult to be miserable when you are bouncing on a trampoline. And my tendency is to overthink things as this illustration proves, and I tend to lean towards the serious. So anything that helps to take me outside of myself, to take myself less seriously is good for me. Trampolining helps me to take myself less seriously. And it's kind of humorous. Like it is ridiculous when you think about what you're doing on a trampoline but it's a great, bouncy, joyful moment. And if you apply this logic to anything else in life, whether it's an object or a person or an event, then the potential to find joy in life is huge. What I want to propose though, is that life with God sets us up to find joy, to find this meaning and beauty and goodness in unique ways. First, we find joy in life with God through our individual identity in Christ. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour and choose to follow him, we take on Christ's identity, which means that his righteousness becomes our righteousness. And what we know from the Bible is that righteous people can freely approach God without fear of being judged or condemned. Righteous people are considered to be God's children and heirs to his kingdom. And we saw in Psalm 16 in verse 6, that the psalmist says, Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Righteous people are also given the Spirit of God to counsel and comfort them. The psalmist says in verse 7, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. More than this, God's children will never be forsaken by God. And so the psalmist can say, My heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Life with God is a unique source of joy because we do not have existential dread. We do not have to prove that we are worthy of love or wonder whether our future is secure, because in Christ, we are assured that our life with God is secure. Life with God also uniquely sets us up to find joy through our corporate identity in Christ. In a society which struggles with feelings of isolation and which has a habit of repeatedly damaging relationships with family and friends, it is significant that in Christ, we are united to his body, which is the church. We share his name and are therefore connected inseparably to his family. This is a unique cause for joy because life with God means life with a family which extends around the world and across history. We are not alone. And in the church, we are assured of meaningful relationships, relationships which are not dependent on our day-to-day attitudes or behaviours, but on the fact that we are connected to each other in Christ. Another result of being identified with Christ, which also uniquely positions us to find joy in life with God, is that having life with God inspires humble and loving relationships. In Galatians 5, we get an idea of what these loving relationships look like. Paul says to the Galatians in verse 13 and 14, you are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather, serve one another in humble serve one another humbly in love for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command love your neighbor as yourself so when Archbishop Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama got together and discussed joy these two spiritual leaders repeatedly came back to the idea that in order for us to experience joy, we must look outside ourselves and genuinely love others. In line with this, psychologist Sonja Lubomirsky has suggested that while our genes and our circumstances do contribute to our experience of happiness and joy, the three most influential factors for increasing our happiness are our ability to positively reframe our situation, our ability to experience gratitude and our choice to be kind and generous. Think about how these factors line up with Paul says in Galatians 5. In verse 13 and 14, Paul reframes the experience of Christians more positively. He encourages them to consider their freedom in Christ as an opportunity to obey God and fulfil the law through loving their neighbour. This is certainly more positive than the prideful alternative presented in verse 15, which is to devour each other and be destroyed. Paul also reminds the Galatians that they have good reason to be grateful. We have heard that they have freedom, and in verse 24 it says they belong to Christ, and in verse 25 that they live by the Spirit. This is grounds for gratitude and also for keeping in step with the spirit. Because the alternative is to be a community of people who are caught in sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. Now from a worldly perspective, such a list might seem exciting to be part of, and restrictive and oppressive if you're not allowed to. Some might say that being told you can't do these things might suppress joy. And it is true that we might sometimes feel restricted by having to control our impulses, to control our rage, to rein in our jealousy, to remain faithful to our partner, or to limit our alcohol intake. But living in community means that your actions impact others. And it is difficult to feel joy when someone is being unfaithful to you or when someone is raging at you or when someone rides roughshod over you in their selfish ambition. It's difficult to feel joy when you get stuck looking after all the drunk people at the party or when a a group that has been united becomes split into factions. When we think about these uh, vices applied to a community, it's not hard to see how... When they are there, joy is going to be hard to find. So instead, Paul is encouraging Christians towards kindness and generosity. He points them towards loving others with humility, as is the way of the Spirit, and also towards becoming a community that bears the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit includes joy. So, according to Desmond Tutu, the Dalai Lama, modern psychology, and the Apostle Paul, pursuing humble and loving relationships promotes joy in our life. And life with God inspires such relationships because God has first humbly loved us. So what are the ways in which we can actively seek joy? Or is doing so something like trying to chase our own tail? Do we just have to sit back and hope that joy comes to us? The good news is that we don't have to sit around twiddling our thumbs. Yes, the fruit of the Spirit does require the Spirit to do that work in us, both individually and as a community. But as with all of our faith, God invites us to participate in his good work. Vernon Seagrounds illustrated this relationship between us and the fruit of the Spirit well. He wrote, an orange tree cannot bear fruit in total independence. Sunshine, rain and soil must play a part if oranges are to be brought forth. So it is with ourselves and joy. We may crave joy and fiercely will to be joyful. But as psychologist Abraham Maslow put it, you cannot seek it directly. You must be surprised by joy. What we can do, though, Grounds says, is cooperate with with the fruit-producing forces. And at the same time, we can eliminate anything that might blight productivity. An orange grower prunes his trees, fertilises and waters the soil, fights insects by spraying, and sometimes when frost threatens, puts out smudge pots. Having done his human best, he waits for forces outside himself to produce the desired fruit. We can be like the orange grower. There are circumstances we have no control over, like the elements, but we can make choices to eliminate those things which will blight the growth of joy. Instead of indulging our impulses, we can strive to be a community of people who humbly love others. And in fact, I'm confident that we're doing this already as a community. As I was watching the AGM last week, I felt Joy. You gave me joy, because this year, despite the challenges that we faced, we as a community have made masks for co-health, we've bought groceries for the Asylum Seekers Resource Centre, we shared our favourite recipes with each other, we gained new members in our church, we saw the creative contributions of some of the kids in church, we bought gifts on behalf of incarcerated parents, and despite months apart, so many of you are invested enough in this church community that you turned up for the AGM. Your wonderful involvement gave me great joy and it also points to another way that we can seek joy which is by choosing to participate in god's family as we worship together we are reminded of our inclusion into god's family and we will have opportunities to hear how god is at work in us and to be encouraged by each other we will have opportunities to serve each other We will have people who can help us find humour in our circumstances. We will also probably have trials to be tested. I mean, tested um, because we're not a perfect bunch. But through claiming our identity as part of God's family, we can seek joy. And some very practical ways of doing this, um, by positioning ourselves in God's family, are through being part of a community group, through joining in with prayer breakfasts, Catching up with people outside of church on Sundays, for pastorally caring for people that you know need support. You could make a meal for someone. You could make a commitment to be praying for people at church or for people around the world. All of these are practical ways to position yourself to find joy which comes as a fruit of the Spirit. We can do these things together as a group and also individually. We can also seek joy by reframing our experiences according to God's promises and by remembering our identity as God's children. We have value because we are made and loved by God. We have life with God. This life is being renewed even now and we have an inheritance with God and the hope of eternity in a renewed world. This is cause for joy, knowing who we are in Christ what we were waiting for. We can also seek joy by practising gratitude because we know that we are loved, we know that we have received grace, we know that the Holy Spirit is at work in us, producing good fruit in us. And we can look for joy even in the simple things. Start with remembering what gives you joy, whether it be trampolining or a pretty mug or a dog chasing its tail. Because life with God, who is creative and who calls his creation good, this life allows us to see meaning and beauty and goodness, even in the smallest things, and to find joy in them.